Wednesday. Wednesday. <laughs> and you and you got do you throw darts at the thing behind you, Jim? What is that? Yeah, this that that's for that's for managing um that's for us a model of someone's possible injection sites on a body, you know, as you know, with health weekend, we manage people that need to take medications. So this is my, uh, this is my data room, my data labs. This is where we do our kind of user testing, you know, for our products. And, yeah. We figured out it's pretty cool. Actually, my, my, uh, this is a sharp spin. My, my, my computer sitting on top of a sharp spin. <laughs> That's kind of our lab where we test out other products over there. And amazing to see you back in the office, actually, too. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. We're keeping the distance. We've got good policies. Hopefully they work. But Ireland is, is pretty good shape. The big, the big question now is, is, will they open the pubs? Which is probably... A <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I hear you. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's so many things going on. We had, uh, we, we had a storm uh, or hurricane warning yeah, yesterday in New Jersey. Um, actually, the guest that we were supposed to have today is from New Jersey and still out of power. So we, uh, we, we got somebody who was on the list just later on, which we'll, we'll talk about. Um, and then, uh, how are your push-ups going, by the way? I'm done. Yeah, that, nice. <laughs> nice. I'm fighting through. I think today's day, <laughs> day 18. I'm driving. People are sick of seeing me on Facebook knocking push-ups out, but... It's been good. It's good. Feeling, are you feeling healthier? Do you think you got an impact from it? I honestly, like, I, I, I think I posted my uh, the 25th day that I wasn't tagging anyone, just whoever sees it kind of thing. But I, I feel like I developed a habit um, with it. This morning, actually, I did 30. I'm pushing myself. So my goal is in 30 days, uh, you know, just be very comfortable with the 30, right? Um, or 35. I don't know. I'll, I'll see. But, uh, yeah. you know, I'm... I'm the special Right, the whole social pressure of having making a commitment and having to do it like that seems to be a big factor on it. So, I know um, I'm actually like writing parts of my book every day, little by little, too. Because the social pressure, it's like all of a sudden it's like you know, 110 people and growing every day that are signing up for my thing. I'm like, holy crap, people, I need to actually deliver something. <laughs> Speaking of followers, let me just uh, go live just one, one quick stat. I'm not gonna go through it because I've been watching it, but I haven't checked today. Let's see. Damn it! Only ninety-nine. We we're one shy from a hundred subscribers. Damn it! Yeah, we've been stuck there for a few days. I thought I saw ninety-nine was a few days. So we just oh, got yeah. one subscriber. So I got to do something. I got to like force my employees to subscribe. <laughs> you know, I you know I look at some people that um, just on their engagement, like on social media, they have a shitload of followers, but the engagement is nothing. And like I'm like, you can kind of tell people buy followers. To me, it's like uh, that's kind of useless, right? So don't force anything on anyone. Okay, we won't pressure them. Um, <laughs> last thing, I woke up to some crazy ass news. Uh, this morning, uh, Teladoc acquiring Livongo. I mean, the second thing was Livongo Teladoc merger. Mind blown, 18, 19 billion, something like that, which, I mean, right. makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. I, you know, I'm blown away. Like, I'm, I only got it in the afternoon. I was just kind of off social media this morning and um, blown away. But it feels like one of the biggest strokes of genius and timing and good product like for Lavongo, you know the way they've in an incredibly short period of time conceived of a market built a great product got traction took the company public 
partnered with the other big digital healthcare or whatever virtual healthcare player in the space. And now you've got this like $20 billion company that wasn't even a concept. Like we, we still got to have Glenn on. Uh, I know John, John Halleck, uh, when we first started this uh, crazy ass journey, you and I, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. How many weeks ago, John texted me saying, I need to get Glenn on, right? And I'm like, just watch a few before you, <laughs> before you get Glenn into anything. So let, let, let's see if we can schedule him in. Uh, maybe, maybe now he's more chill. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but we'd love to have him. Um, uh, maybe uh, speaking, uh, by the way, last thing on that, I, I tweeted something. I mean, I think they, once again, they kicked off uh, what I think is going to be, uh, you know, kind of part, deeper partnership. And even, you know, I kind of tweeted this morning, you know, we're going to see Amada and American Well or Mwell you know, merger pre-IPO or something. I think right? it's fascinating. Like, and, and it's interesting that in the same time, you have this Teladoc, Teladoc, Livongo, um, uh, you know, kind of coming together that you have uh, all these big digital, uh, sorry, all these big technology companies in front of the Senate around the antitrust issues where you have these like, large players, you know. So I think this is really interesting how it, it's just, it seems to be on steroids the way the marketplace is developing so quickly. Um, yeah. You know, and, and like a lot of these companies start to feel like each other, don't they? Like, you know, like the Omadas and the Silver Clouds that we talk a lot about, which are great companies, great product offerings, started off differently. And they're kind of chronic disease, virtual chronic disease management. Platform, yep. right? um, like, I, I, like, I can't keep track of it. I mean, there's obviously these big moves afoot. Um, but I, I just love the twist on, uh, on not just the language, I, uh, honestly, I think they're, they're doing it, but like, I think it's, um, you know, consumer directed virtual care, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. And anyhow, you know, speaking of kind of remote virtual care, um, I'll introduce uh, the next guest. Uh, who's already waiting in the waiting room, uh, who is a dear friend. Um, you know, he's super, super fun guy. Um, and um, he's been actually on the list, but he's been struggling through, and I'll let him talk about how many days now, but um, uh, long COVID. I know we're not supposed to say the word, but um, I'm sure. So Manish Juneja, um, who is a digital health futurist uh, and just an amazing individual, I'm going to invite him in great i'm looking forward to seeing manish i haven't seen him in ages other than so other than social media hey manish is coming is coming hey. in the car this is our first one we're doing something <laughs> with someone in the car i'm in los angeles today <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, got one. That's awesome. I'm not a robot. I like it. Yeah. I, I like it. So Manish, you know Jim, right? Jim just said yes. you guys met not just on social media through kind of the, I think the Health Excel and other things. Yeah. yeah. I was excited that you were coming on tonight, Manish. You're looking forward to talk, chatting with you. And I think the first time I met you, you definitely had something, some kind of monitoring device on your head. It was in Dublin. It might have been a problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, when I was wearing that NASA T-shirt, I remember 2000. That was probably 2013. Yeah, yeah. good memory. Good memory. That's right. So, so Manish, um, I don't know if you've watched any of the other episode, a few. episodes. All right, all right, a few. all right. 
So, um, you know, I, you know, it's kind of like no bullshit, just kind of, you know, I, I, I don't have drinks today because we've been doing this a bit earlier than normal, which is a whole other story. I've just got water. Um, but I, I'd love to maybe, I, I know I've been following your journey, um, which uh, some of the docs kind of told you you're crazy, this is nothing. Um, well, actually, know. no, they didn't. No, okay. Well, start. Let, let's let's go way way back. What COVID? I know we're not maybe, supposed to say it. It may be a little about the niche, a little bit. Maybe just a little. Yeah. Quick. True. <laughs> what? So uh, actually, today is day one one nine of symptoms of what they call. If you were to go on any social media site and look at hashtag long COVID, you would find posts from people like me some of whom have just joined social media to share their symptoms because they're not getting hurt anywhere else, including in the medical system. So uh, that's where a lot of the conversation has been happening, both for me and for other people. Um, and uh, it's actually Eugene who prompted me originally to say, hey, dude, you're having these weird symptoms early in April. You're not getting access to testing because you don't seem to have COVID symptoms, but it's all weird. You should just document this on, so you should just chronicle it on social media. So I did uh, okay. very soon after symptoms began. Okay. And where do you see that on your website or on? Just no, just on Twitter. I've been doing okay. it. So uh, almost every day, whenever I've been well enough, then I've been posting to say, hey, today I woke up and I couldn't even get out of bed and then I've been in bed the whole day and I've got no energy or I woke up the next day and I've had a relapse and I can't lift myself off the toilet or whatever or I can't, if I look at an email yeah. or have a conversation for two minutes with a family member, it triggers a relapse of extreme fatigue and I have to head straight to bed because I'm coughing and having shortness of breath just by talking like I'm talking to you now for two minutes. In, in the past four months, pretty much the first three months, if we were to have this conversation, it would trigger a relapse and I'd be off looking for a bed right now. Holy shit. And so when did, I, know it's a, I, I don't want to count back. I don't have a calendar. So when, like, take us, honestly, like, what did you feel? Like, I, I'm, I'm just curious. Like, I just woke April. up, well, I just, so, so it's, it didn't seem connected at the time, but I believe now after all my research that my actual initial symptoms was basically when I was out for my morning walk locally during lockdown, and then all of a sudden, um, I got this extreme pain in my calves and it felt like the, my, the bones in my feet were breaking. I just had to sit on the floor during a five mile walk, managed to limp home. Uh, and then um, I just had this, for, it was probably for about 10 days, my calves were just sore and in pain 24 hours a day. It wouldn't even let me sleep, right? So I just put it down to maybe I'm walking too much during lockdown, right? Um, but now I understand that, that myalgia in my calves and also the joint pain is one of the early signs of COVID. Not, okay. not the common sign, but it's a sign. And okay. then uh, later on, I think after that calf pain and the joint pain, it was about uh, 10 days later, I just woke up one day, extreme fatigue, brain fog, like you can't think clearly. You're like, what, what am I supposed to be saying now? Um, aches and pains all over and just you notice a change in your mood, so apathy and a shortness of breath and a dry cough and you're like, and then that's when I went to the NHS website and it says, you just, you don't have anything, just take honey and lemon and you'll get better. 
it's it's interesting because around that same time, maybe a little bit earlier, actually, you know, uh, JL Neptune, uh, right in in New York, right? Um, yes, I, I know he went also public with a video, and but he had like clear symptoms, you know, uh, uh, and and it was kind of you know came in and he ultimately recovered, and I think you know I haven't checked in with him in a while, but for you, like I just I. I I mean, I've been watching your journey, obviously, both, you know, on the public side, but also through our, I, I love yes. um, hearing positive updates, especially on over our WhatsApp, uh, especially in the last yeah. week or so. This is why I'm glad yeah. you're able to make it with us beyond the two minutes, right? So. But so did you get the, so you then got diagnosed with COVID, so you got a straight diagnosis of COVID. You never, so you actually haven't been diagnosed with COVID. Well, it's a long story, but if I summarize in a nutshell, um, essentially at that time uh, in the NHS, there was a very limited access to testing anyway, in terms of swab tests. And okay. then if you didn't fit, if you didn't fit the classical symptoms of in the NHS at that point, it says either you have a new persistent cough or a high fever. If you don't have either of those symptoms, you don't have COVID, so you're not going to okay. get access to testing. So by the time I actually got round to get tested under the NHS and even privately self-funded, um, which was about six weeks after my symptoms began, those swab tests were negative. Okay. And okay. then my initial diagnosis was when I finally decided to call the GP and say, this is not going away. Something's weird here. So I called my GP and then over a series of days, my GP was calling me every day because she was quite worried. So for five days, she was calling me every day. And then I offered to share with her data from my various digital health devices, whether they're medical devices in terms of the ECG for the abnormal heart rhythm on the Apple Watch through yeah. to things like a wellness sensor like the hour ring, which isn't a medical device, hasn't been validated. Um, my sleep sensor data, my pulse ox data, my blood pressure data. And she was like, I was like, Jim and Eugene, I was like surprised because she's like, whatever you've got, I'll bring it. Whatever sensors you have, just give it to me because it's right. going to help me make, because this was over the phone, right? Initially, they weren't yeah. allowing face-to-face -face visits. So over the course of five days, she was able to understand the severity of my symptoms based upon what I'm telling her, but right. also she was able to use all that patient-generated data and put it in my medical record because I could see in the app straight away that it was entered, and she was able to use all of that information to understand you don't need to go to hospital, let's just monitor you remotely, do this, do this, do this, but if things get worse with your data call the helpline or go straight to the hospital if your if your pulse ox goes like you know below 90 percent for example so manish I, I noticed obviously you mentioned the aura ring and i know that there was some study I, I i'll be honest i didn't dive into it a little bit uh deep uh but i know one of the first things you resurrected the aura ring right uh you know why and what did you find useful or not useful through this process like so a couple of things um, I had heard that even before I got sick, I'd heard that there were researchers trying to use the Aura Ring and maybe a Fitbit, etc., to research and see what can they predict the onset of, of COVID before symptoms begin. So I was already aware that researchers had started to explore. So I thought, let me, if I'm sick in early days, let me wear it in terms of I can contribute, maybe sign up to those studies and contribute through my sickness. But also the secondary was like, well, what's easy for me to just wear or use 
and get some data and maybe I will be able to, as an analyst, be able to figure out and look at some insights and patterns and figure out where, when are my symptoms getting better, is sleep or heart rate variability, what's going to predict whether I'm having a good day or a bad day. And maybe then again, I can share that on social media with other patients who are suffering and help them. But it turns out that despite all this massive data of accumulated, there's a couple of problems. One is that, especially because I had brain fog so you can imagine that I'm sitting there and I'm trying to read an email and it's taking me 10 minutes to read an email because I can't read it. I just yeah. can't concentrate, right? Um, or things are just really foggy in my mind. So, or then it would make me fatigue just reading an email or trying to analyze the data. So essentially, I wasn't in a position. So I almost felt like I wish there was a service that's AI powered and I could just say, here's all my data from during a sickness in terms of COVID-19. I don't care how much it costs, somebody else do the hard work, look for patterns and tell me on a personalized basis, Manish, you need to drink orange juice tomorrow at 7 a.m., then you need to nap for three hours. That's what I would like in terms right. of that data-driven world. But essentially, when I look through all my data, like people saying, have you, have you noticed whether your heart rate variability is linked to your relapses or whether your respiratory rate at night or maybe something, your, your duration of sleep or your deep sleep, it predicts this or this. And I was like, to be honest, not only have all the symptoms been completely random, they come and go every hour. They change. You can imagine how terrifying that is when you don't even know what's going on. So when you look at the data, there isn't anything I found on the surface that shows an association or correlation. What about the, Nothing. Pulse, what about the pulse ox data? Well, the pulse ox was more in the early days when I had the shortest of breath in terms of uh, it was it was generally uh, I never went below that level where I needed to be hospitalized. It was like it used to vary a lot, but it was stable and it was above like 94, 95, essentially. Okay. Yeah. So I just, just curious. I mean, I know we know, uh, you know, Dave Albers and his son, like, you know, you know, a lot of you know, cardiologists. Uh, I think even Eric Topol <laughs> tweeted about long COVID, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes, just, he did. You know, what, what have you found through kind of your own network, right? So, I mean, there's NHS and there is the public service. I know you also paid out of pocket to, you know, in the last couple of weeks just to go check. But like, you know, some of the docs like Dave and Eric and others, just I'm curious, like your Well, to be honest, the, well, I haven't really discussed with them. So first okay. of all, I, 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 it's important to make it clear that my reason for documenting on social media, on Twitter is to basically just uh, for me to remember what was happening to me and also to raise awareness of this and get a conversation that, hey, this is a risk. It's not just either dying or 14 days recovery. So there's this weird stuff happening and just hopefully to inform researchers as well to go, this stuff needs to be studied. So the thing is, I try to avoid entering into conversations where people based upon my tweets were saying, even if they're a, an eminent doctor, were saying, hey, um, I think you should take broccoli juice every morning at 6 a.m. based upon your tweet that you've got extreme fatigue. So I, I basically trusted what my GP was saying and the specialists that I saw who've examined me, seen my history. My big issue, actually, and this is going to sound really weird, but I had a big problem with other patients um, on social media where there were points in my journey where I felt so distressed I was going to stop sharing my symptoms and stop being on Twitter and even deleting my account at a time because I felt so under attack from other patients. Why? And I'm not the only one. Yeah. Ooh. So the challenge is that 
many of the symptoms that long COVID patients have, and there are up to 100 different symptoms that they found we have, and everybody has their own group of symptoms, is that many of these symptoms initially appear to overlap with ME slash chronic fatigue syndrome, which apparently from what I've been hearing, they've been neglected by doctors, told that it's just anxiety in their head, it hasn't been researched. So now that long COVID is getting attention, and ME patients are saying, well, I'm now bed bound, and it's because my GP told me to exercise through the fatigue. So when I'm saying this is what my GP told me, I'm getting responses from ME patients who've been sick for years and ignored. And obviously they're quite upset and saying, Manish, you shouldn't be following your GP's advice. You shouldn't be following what the neurologist says, they're wrong. And then I was even getting private messages on Twitter, Manish, do not do any activity for six months, just rest for six months. So wow. don't do any walking until after six months. Yeah, yeah. And then take this vitamin and do this. I'm like, and then people were responding privately and publicly. And I felt an obligation because of the way I am to respond to messages of people saying, like, have you tried doing this? Have you tried standing upside down? Have you tried doing this? I'm like, whoa, like, slow down. This is overwhelming. The disease is bad enough. And now I've got people offering medical device when they don't know me and my symptoms and my history and they haven't examined me. And they may right. not even be doctors. They're well-meaning, but a minority of them went too far and made me feel so distressed. I just wanted to get off social media and delete my account. And have you, have you been following, there's a, there's a fantastic guy out of the UK. I just was looking him up here named uh, Dr. John Campbell. Have you followed him? No. On, on YouTube, he, brilliant. He's an NHS uh, doctor, John Campbell. And um, he does a fantastic, like almost daily podcast and where he's just reading the papers as they come out around, you know, coronavirus and kind of explaining, you know, my, you know, all these different symptoms and, and, and bringing it down. He must be a teacher of some kind because he's just incredible at translating the medical knowledge down to uh, in layman's terms, but he's, he's absolutely captivating, but he looks like you're like an NH, if you could define an NHS GP, it was him, you know, John. By, by the way, just, just a quick side note, we're making an exception for this episode on all the terms about COVID, et cetera. We usually, uh, when he's raised the bar, you're not supposed to say, this is like COVID-free zone. Um, that was the original <laughs> oh. idea behind it. But because we're talking to you and actually the main kind of like, we've been, I just, a, I'm just super happy to see you back to, I think almost the Manish that I well, know. Uh, almost. Well, I've still got a while to go, so I'm not entirely better. Um, but I just want to backtrack and quickly mention that actually, whilst there were a minority of ME patients who made me feel quite distressed with their comments and trying to diagnose me and tell me to ignore what my doctors were saying, even though my doctors had given me what I found very sound advice on my, for my pathway, a lot of them, both the ME patients who have suffered from these type of symptoms before, but also the long COVID patients as well, some of whom are new to Twitter, they've never used Twitter, were sitting there and just saying, um, I'm hoping you'll get better or, you know, this happened to me and then two days later I was better or I was worse. So it was a lot of support that, again, uh, given the healthcare system and scientists say, we don't know what's happening you to Manish and you're sitting at home like, wondering what the hell. So these, this peer-to-peer -peer support online was invaluable especially those who have either gone through something similar or they're going through something right now and they're going, oh yeah, that also happened to me. And it's just good to know that I'm not the only one in the world with these symptoms. You know, I think with any, any disease, right? I mean, if we go back to the old, I'll say the old days of 
um, you know, E-Patient Dave and Susanna Fox and Jill Streeman with ACOR, you know, the whole sort of patient, um, you know, sharing and being able to actually solve each other's or help at least, you know, right. both emotionally, but also in some cases, I think, even saving each other's lives, right? Um, I mean, it's... The, the difference here, Eugene and Jim, is that it's almost like a, a new frontier Right. for patients and patient communities in that there are patient communities in terms of Facebook on Slack where they've generated, they've done patient-led research because naturally researchers are behind the curve here. Doctors are waiting for guidelines to come through. So they've actually done a lot of research with, by patients themselves on the community of patients to go, when did it start? How long? What type of symptoms? What were the clusters? And actually this has led researchers and doctors and and the whole uh, world to understand what and the media to go this is where we're finding the new scientific discoveries first in the online patient communities in facebook and slack channels rather than in research papers or even in preprints right so right. this is quite remarkable yeah it's totally remarkable and you just think about like you know just all the kind of like like we had we joked about we had like rob garber on earlier on and he was talking about um the uh, mental health implications of lockdown, you know, just isolating that, um, you know, and, or, you know, the fear of losing your job or your livelihood or, you know, someone, you know, doing that, you know, or, you know, you have a different condition and you need to visit a hospital regularly and like the stress and the anxiety. So this whole, like um, this whole kind of confluence of, a respiratory condition that turns into a cardiovascular condition that turns into a mental health condition um, where we're all isolated and out of work and interacting with each other on social media. You can imagine, like I felt this as I was listening to you, I felt how I felt like was listening. Like right now I find my social media habits very different. Um, I'm reading less, um, you know, I'm watching all the news a lot more. So your anxiety must be going up. Uh, you know, so it just, it's going to be, it's going to take years to unpack all this, right? That's well, why so, my, my, <laughs> so my, my attitude kind of changed once I realized that the NHS wasn't in a position, I threw my GP, wasn't in a position to get me timely access to figure out, uh, to get some tests to figure out, do I have long-term, do I have long-term damage to my organs as a result of this infection? So personally, whether it was going to take me two years to recover or six months was irrelevant or was less of a worry. It was like, well, I've heard reports that there are some people with CT scans showing their lungs being damaged in China as a result of the virus. It was like, okay, you know what? That's when I went self-funded and I found all these great specialists online, got all the examinations, found out that my organs, there's no permanent damage, so I'll be able to run marathons and my brain is okay in terms of no damage. But now that I know that, it's, it just basically uh, gave me that reassurance that, well, in, in personally, um, I'm just going to chill and I will do my best to rest and recover and rehab at my own pace, whatever my body dictates. But at least I know that there's not going to be a, I haven't got an increased risk of a, a heart attack or arrhythmia or lung right. problems right. five years down the line. And that was basically what I paid the money for to find out, okay, yeah. there's nothing For peace wrong. of mind. For a peace of mind, right? And and it's actually an interesting uh, because to your point, you you did this privately because you know going through NHS, um, they're not paying for the peace of mind. Well, right? no, but, it's uh, what it is actually. I got rejected, so the NHS set up 
or in my area set up a post-COVID respiratory clinic for people like me with ongoing respiratory problems well after the infection has cleared in the first 14 days. So when my GP referred me, she then called me back the next week, oh Manish, I marked it as urgent, but your, your referral has been rejected from the clinic and they don't say why. Uh, I'm like, well, if that's how it's going to be, then I'm going to do whatever I can to find out what's happening inside of my body. So yeah. unfortunately, not everybody is going to be in that position. Some people are going to wait two years to see, to see a specialist to get themselves checked out under the NHS, possibly. Yeah, we're going to talk. It's a pro- like, we're going to talk like uh, for a second, like access, right? Like so, so, so I think this is one of the most like this is fascinating right now. Like we're like in my own company, we're looking at a project of like before like reequipping the health beacon device, my company's device for vaccine tracking. And then as we're thinking about our business models, you know, we're thinking about, okay, will we create a private service, um, you know, for people? And then like, you know, would people be willing to pay, uh, you know, for private access? And, and from all the stories I'm hearing, you know, like in LA, you know, people are getting tested multiple times a week, you know, in the president's office, everyone that goes around him gets, you know, tested multiple times. And then, so you have this, you have this really interesting thing of like access now, and then we're going to have the biggest access challenge like in the world when, when a vaccination comes out, right? Like, like you're going to have this limited supply and how you allocate that. And, you know, money is going to buy you up the queue. It's going to take you up the queue, right? We, yeah, we just saw, was it yesterday or the day before uh, the U.S. government did a deal with uh, GSK, I believe? I, so this is the interesting thing about access because some of the patients long covid patients on twitter when i was saying like, i had a great neurologist chat um they've did, done the, the the brain scans and the other mris all normal and i told the price i shared on twitter how expensive this journey was i would have sold my car to pay for this if i didn't have the money now um, what's interesting is that some of them joked, but I don't know if they were serious to say, well, maybe we should basically band together as long COVID patients and organize a group discount with your neurologist because we all want these scans, you know, to, to understand what's going on. So it's like almost like almost patient, patient collectives and bargaining power if we're thinking about going private. And what does that mean around the world when patient communities can even maybe approach a manufacturer of, uh, antigen tests or antibody tests and say hey you're selling these via the online pharmacy for $60 a pop for an antibody test we've got 5,000 people in our slack channel for example how about you give them for 35 or whatever it might be right yeah yeah but if you think about that go no I think about if you think about that like as like tests or mass or whatever um, vaccinations treatments become available you, you have the manufacturers and then they're kind of globally negotiated at a country level. And then within the country, they're negotiated geographically, like in the US, if you're in New Jersey, it might be different than California. And then, and then, then they filter down to like what reimbursement systems or you have access to. So this like whole, like, it's like the first time we've had to rapidly, you know, globally allocate healthcare, you know, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry. No, I, I would just, this is, I mean, this, this is perfect for the discussion with a digital health futurist, but I, I do, I, I do want us to kind of warn us because I know I promised you Manish also, uh, I know this is still difficult for you and, 
um, you know, kind of let, let's let's wrap it up. Maybe just some. I've got. Well, I, I can I can spare five ten minutes if if you still want to. If this we're we're, we're already at more than half an hour in total, so we're trying okay. to you know. I'm, I'm putting got it. The, understood. Okay. They, they give us a for hours. Like take us into the future, Manish. Take us into the future. Give us a little future. Like what are you seeing? Well, like take I would I would I would hope that next year or as quickly as possible we would together be sharing data, sharing insights, sharing resources in such a way, particularly for this long COVID community, uh, to be able to better predict and provide tailored advice. So if the healthcare system in its current format can't cope or can't have the resources to deliver, how can people in the digital health community say, hey, here are our resources, our tools, we can repurpose something, we can use something to predict when a relapse is going to happen so you can rest at the right time. Um, I think there's a lot that can be done with technology to uh, at least um, figure out what people should be doing next. That's my, in terms of like, if we're going to use algorithms to predict things, let's predict what you, what you need to do to feel better the day after. Not necessarily be cured, but to manage this long-term weird COVID illness in a better way. I, I thought when you started this, when you're saying, I hope we together, uh, and I thought you were going to say, I hope we're going to see each other and give like an actual physical hug at some point together, maybe at a Health Excel event in Dublin. Oh, yeah, that as well. Yes, yes. <laughs> or, or, we, or we wear some haptic feedback suits and we're in a VR studio in each different country and we're kind of hugging each other with haptic feedback. With I kind of hope not. Maybe. I mean... You know, I'm all for some of this technology. I think I actually did like back, back, back in the day, like a crowdsource. Uh, it was like a handshake thing, you know, remote okay. handshake, haptic touch thing. Yeah. I don't know. Kind of, kind of. I maybe, maybe I'm now old fashioned. I still, I still want the yeah. Possibly. Yes, possibly. I saw an inappropriate version of that to help keep your marriage alive or something. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, on, on that note, um, again, man, happy to see you much livelier um, and uh, looks like a nice sunny day above you. Um, yes. So that's, that's always positive. And yes. for our viewers, uh, hit that subscribe button on YouTube. I keep, you know, keep getting us uh, to the Joe Rogan status, but, you know, slowly but surely. I'm sure Manish will bring us there. <laughs> exactly. Happy to help. Excellent. Right. Great Cheers. to see you. Cool.